Welcome to The Art of Significance with your host, Hall of Fame speaker, New York Times bestselling author, university professor, gold record songwriter, and award-winning athlete, Dan Clark. Get ready for engaging discussions with some of the most influential people in the world who will impart their wisdom, stories, and inspiration on why and how to achieve the level beyond success. Now here's your host, Dan Clark. Welcome, welcome, welcome. My goodness, the holiday season is upon us. Movies are finally coming back into the theater that are worth seeing. Uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, that's a, that's a must-see movie for everyone. Uh, if you like music, uh, Freddie Mercury just epitomizes everyone with a big dream, with a big voice, with a desire to to explore the world, explore him or herself. And I sure hope this holiday season allows you to start thinking thoughts that you haven't thought all year and kind of not retiring from your dreams, but refiring up your dreams and, uh, and adding to your bucket list. And that's the theme of this show today. Um, back by popular demand, Last show, I had a, a, a guest, Kurt Dowsett, and I'm sure so many of you would recognize his, his uh, handsome mug, his personality, his, uh, his demeanor, his aura. When he walks into a room, people stop and say, who is he? What does he do? It's that it factor that we talk about in the entertainment world. She has it. He has it. And the complicated part about that statement is you cannot train it, you cannot learn it, you either have it or you don't. And the charismatic it really is what differentiates a an average wannabe um, entertainer and a superstar performer. The difference between Celine Dion singing God Bless America as a French Canadian where she performs it and comes alive and ignites inside each of us this passion, creativity, and imagination to believe the lyric versus just someone who won the National Karaoke Championship who sings the same song and hits the same notes. There is a difference. A dear friend of mine, Monty Powell, who's a hit songwriter, Grammy Award-winning songwriter, most of the number one tunes that Keith Urban has recorded, he co-wrote with Monty Powell. Monty Powell and I have been dear friends for a thousand years. He's been on this show many, many times. And I remember visiting his home in Nashville, and he had just returned from a guitar lesson. You, you got to hear this guy play the guitar. He's a jazz guitarist. He's a rock and roll guitarist. He's a country artist. He's This guy can play the guitar. And the interesting thing to me was our conversation when he returned from his guitar lesson with a superstar teacher there in Nashville. Monty already was a master at the guitar, so why was he still taking lessons? Well, he came back and reported that what we need to do is listen to the way a guitar virtuoso touches the strings. And there's a difference between Eric Clapton and Jimi Hendrix and Jimmy Page and especially uh, Carlos Santana. And when they touch the same six strings on the same guitar, you can tell which artist is playing that chord. You can tell which artist's fingers are touching those strings. Isn't that interesting? 
The Touch of the Master's Hand is a magnificent poem and story about this 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 auction and they were trying to auction off this old beat up violin and someone stood up and played it and someone says yeah I'll give you 5 bucks for it I'll give you 10 bucks for it going once going twice and then this older gentleman wanders from the back of this auction room and he says may I and he picks up this old rickety violin and he plays it with such magnificence there was not a dry eye in the place and the auctioneer finally took back the microphone and said okay who will give me a thousand who will give me ten thousand who will give me a hundred thousand dollars for this violin the touch of the master's hand well that's kind of an that's kind of an odd introduction to my buddy Kurt Dowsett but as a returning guest, I needed to say something completely different than I said last week when I introduced him. And obviously, he's an intriguing and inspiring interview. And he's an American actor, a celebrated musician, international speaker, an award-winning television host of sci-fi's suspenseful game show, Exit, America's Lost Treasures on the National Geographic Channel, and Hazard Pay on Discovery Channel, where he experienced everything from being a UFC fighter fighter which we talked about last episode oh what a hoot to a venomous snake extractor which we talked about last week everybody needs to just pull up that episode and just hear about his extraordinary adventures but in his spare time kurt travels to europe he just barely returned from france where kurt tracks down the origins of the world's most secret societies the Rosicrucians in Germany, the Order of the Rose in France, the Roslyn Chapel in Scotland, and most recently in the south of France, tracking down the origins of the Knights Templar and searching for the tomb of Mary Mad- Magdalene. We're talking about the Illuminati, the expert in these secret societies. So check out last episode to hear about Kurt's adventures on television and the extraordinary life that he has lived. But today for the entire show, I want to bring Kurt onto the program and just find out about these secret societies. And the reason why I introduced Kurt in the way I just did, ladies and gentlemen, is because we have a, a, a reach to over 21 countries with this program, and we're, we've got so many hundreds of thousands of listeners into the voiceamerica.com family and suites of, of channels, especially this influencers channel, over a million and a half listeners. And regardless of in which country you live or where your circumstances find you, we need to start dreaming bigger dreams. We need to start exploring the possibilities, not only of the world, but within our own creativity, our own imagination, our own interests. And Kurt, I'm bringing you on right now, brother. This guy actually epitomizes someone who triggers passion, creativity, imagination, curiosity on a daily basis and doesn't just dream about it. He turns those dreams into action and hops on a plane and goes and investigates the world's most secret societies. Kurt, welcome back, brother. That was a long introduction, man. You owe me a new car. Dude, what 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 color? On it. <laughs> How are you, brother? How are you? I'm, I'm so good. good, a little jet lag, but I'm okay. 
Let's cut right to the chase. You are so kind to, to be on the program today. And uh, as we were talking, you uh, you just back, got back from France. Just take us to what in the world you were doing over there. And then I'll start diving a little deeper into how you got interested in these secret societies. Yeah, okay. The, the story for this last trip was pretty simple. Um, I actually went to help uh, with the filming of a short movie, but um, because I go over so often and I speak the the, the language now, um, my one of my really good friends said, "Hey, I'm taking off in four or five days over to France, dude. I wish you could come. Could really use some help out there." And I said, "Well, if I can take my 16 year old son, I'll come out and help all you want all day long." So. Uh, that just happened to work out. I hopped on a plane about two weeks ago with my 16-year-old son who's never been out of the country who also has been taking French for about four years. And so we just kind of dropped off the grid for a while, helped out with the movie, and did a little bit of uh, Knights Templar Secret Society genealogy. And uh, just got back Saturday trying to reverse the effects of that that flight and uh, just had a had a great time. Got to use all my all my French. Basically, every word I've ever learned, I had to use on this last trip. That's funny. Bonjour, comment ça va? Je suis chrétien, tantôt ici. Je ne parle pas le français. Je suis américain. But if you see his wife, if you see his wife, ladies and gentlemen, les femmes les tatsunis sont belles. Well, that's pretty good French. That's that's not bad. Thanks. And your son has been out of the country. He has been to Provo, Utah. Don't lie to my listeners. Come on, dude. Yeah, Provo, Provo, Utah, Orm, Utah. That's that's one of the hot spots for me. (laughs) Where I call home. I like to visit once in a while. You're so bad. So talk to us, man. I want to know. You know, this 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 introduction, I started thinking, what could I possibly use you? How could I exploit your personality and your success on this show? And every time I think of you, brother, I think of the guy who dreams the biggest dreams, who figures out a way to make them happen, who's so creative. You come up with your own idea for television shows. You find the financing. You go and sell the idea. And then you live in this extraordinary mansion with your beautiful family and live happily ever after. I think this is a great show, brother. Where did you in the world, where did you get this idea to start researching the genealogy of, of secret societies? Well, it all started, funny, funny enough, um, when I was 24, my grandmother, she's a huge influence in my life, and somehow she caught the genealogy bug, and and she was delving into it. She did. It's my mother's mom, and she did my my mother's side as far back as as you can possibly go. I mean, even past you know Jesus, she went back probably two three thousand years before Christ was even born because of the records they kept within certain lines. She just kind of hit a wall finally after you know three or four decades of doing this. Then she started my father's line which is the, the French line. And she just went back uh, again about 2,000 years. And I had just come back from living in France for two years. And she said, you want to hear some interesting things about your family history? You just came back from France. Did you run into these types of names? And I was like, oh, of course, I, I have no idea if I did or not. Uh, didn't really pay that much attention to the people I met. But 
she said, there's a, a group that doesn't exist anymore, but they were called the Knights Templar. And you had two ancestors who were knights with this one particular line. And they fought in the Crusades. They fought in the Holy Wars. They went to Jerusalem. They came back to France. They have lands. And apparently there's still some of that um, in uh, kind of a, obviously a, an offshoot of our family history, but the land still exists in, in those family names. And I was like, huh, what are these knights? Uh, who are they? What did they do? What, what are the crusades? As a 24-year-old, I didn't really know much about it. So I just started researching kind of who I was and who the Knights Templar were. And having just returned from living in France full-time for, for two years, um, it just, something connected with me and I was off and running and it just started with the Knights Templar. I'm still extremely focused and um, intrigued by them and their story, but there have been many uh, tangents, rabbit holes within rabbit holes that I've gone down, theories, conspiracies um, that are just myriad. So, if your viewers can see me now, behind me on my entire wall is a bookshelf, and it's from top to bottom, 10-foot ceiling, 15-foot wall. It's just nothing but medieval history, Knights Templar, and secret societies. And I tell you, if there's a, there are worse hobbies I could have than studying who we are as a society just through the medieval European secret society uh, branch that I've gone down. Now, I, why, why it resonated with me, I, I don't know, but I am French or part French. I lived in France, so I get to use that. And I'd say about, there's probably 30 or 40 books that are in French that are pretty marked up, but uh, it's just something that I can't stop um, researching. Uh, I, I went the last trip I, I had was almost a year ago, back in April, and it was specifically just down to the south of France uh, to do a little bit more research on a particular town that venerates um, what's called the, the Black Madonna, Mary, Mary Magdalene. And, um, that, well, to your point, that's how it got started, and it's gone many, many places since then. Well, <clears throat> we have about four minutes before our first commercial break, so let's just start. Let's start our deep dive. Let's just itemize these uh, these societies. The one that 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 the one movie that the uh, Da Vinci Code from Dan Brown's amazing book is what really introduced the validity of secret societies to the world, I believe. I think most of us have lived in a cave. We didn't have the introduction to them as you did. But after that movie, oh my gosh, could we all just scratch our heads and say, what's been going on behind the curtain all these years? So let's just talk about what what what, what you've discovered. Why France? Is France like the origin of so many secret societies? In your resume, you talk about the Roscrucians in Germany. Who are they? Well, they were started by a couple of brothers um, back in the day. Just, uh, again, they're kind of like the, the Knights Templar. But um, <clears throat> the Rosicrucians is an iteration of the Rosy Cross, which was a way of identifying 
people within the religious structure at the time who had secret knowledge. So um, there's in Shakespeare has even used the name um, Rosencrantz, which is Rosy Cross or Rosicrucians. And it's a way of being able to identify people within a certain group who adhere or at least are aware of a secret knowledge or information that they don't want out in the masses. And from there, it's started, um, it, like a lot of these secret societies, they kind of morph and change over the centuries. I think the Rosicrucians still exist today. They're headquartered in like central California, and it's more of like an Elks Club now. But back in the day, it was a lot of secrets were being held, a lot of intrigue, murders, treasure moving around, and that was kind of how they got started. So when you say the the church, is that just the Catholic Church that yeah that was yeah, predominantly a, ruling the the world at, uh, at that time, ruling the free world, ruling? You know, we we can get into the history of Constantinople and Rome and all that stuff at some other point. But when you talk about the church and secret information, what 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 do you mean secrets within that church? Secrets that 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 the commoner never never heard of. Well, do you want to do you want to go for the jugular, or do you want to stay surface right now? I mean, let's go for the jugular, uh, man. Come on, baby. All right, all right, let's go for it. Um, some of the secrets that the people within the church, particularly the, the the Knights Templar, the Rosicrucians, are things like Jesus Christ having a bloodline, kids that that have survived. There's a, well, there's a lot of theories, but one is that Mary Magdalene, a pregnant Mary Magdalene came to the South of France with her two other young kids, a boy and a girl. And then she was pregnant with a girl with her brother, Joseph of Arimathea, who we know went to England shortly after the crucifixion, where they think they took the, the Holy Grail or the cup. And, um, that's how it supposedly ended up in England. But Mary was dropped off in the south of France, where there's a huge Mary Magdalene following. So part of the secrets were that Jesus, being from the line of David, and Mary being from the line of Benjamin, had the secular and spiritual heir to the people of Jerusalem. Jerusalem being, for some reason, the the hotbed, the, the center of all world religions. I mean, it's like Jesus, Moses, Mohammed all went to the same high school there, and we don't know you know, how, but the Knights Templar guarded the secret that, and there's even another layer that we can go into a little further on top of that, which is even more controversial, but they were guarding the bloodline, the the Merovingian king, knight's bloodline of Jesus Christ, who was the rightful ruler, both temporally and spiritually over the people here on earth. So before we go to the break, what you're suggesting is that Jesus was married to Mary Magdalene, who was pregnant when he was crucified, and she went to the south of France with her two existing children and had a daughter, and there's a huge following today in 2018 of Mary Magdalene in the south of France because of this bloodline, because of the knowledge and the secrets held within the church. I will even add just a little bit to that. It's not just the south of France. It's all over the world. But it wouldn't be a secret society or secret information if everybody had it. 
Yes, sir. Okay, this is Dan Clark, VoiceAmerica.com, the Influencers Channel. Holy cow, ladies and gentlemen, hold on to your seats. My guest is Kurt Dowsett. Gather your friends, your coworkers, your spiritual guides, your religious gurus with you. Even if you pull this up on a podcast in demand, this is extraordinary information. Oh, what a great great conversation as we go into the holiday season, specifically Hanukkah, celebrating the eight days of the miracle of oil, and of course, obviously, the celebration of the birth of Jesus Christ, which obviously was not on December 25th. It was at the last week of March or first week of April, as we know, with the coinciding uh, Jewish holidays, especially the Passover. That's no secret. We discussed that last week on the program. So let's take a break right now. Don't go anywhere with the secret societies, especially Knights Templar and the bloodline of Jesus. We'll be back in a moment. Change starts here. Change starts now. Join us. The Voice America Influencers Channel. If you're an event meeting planner like me, you have two ongoing challenges. You can't afford to have a speaker who bombs. And when you do have an amazing speaker, who in the world do you bring into next year's meeting that will top them? Well, you never have to worry again. Book Dan Clark. Dan Clark is one of the most incredible human beings on the planet. He's been named one of the top 10 speakers in the world. He's known for customizing his speech around your meeting theme. So your people leave with benefits that last a lifetime. Here's the number, 1-800-676-1121. Or just visit danclark.com. Become a member of voiceamerica.com. It's easy and best of all, it's free. Start out by going to our homepage or any of our channels and click register at the top. Once you've created an account and signed in, you can create your own custom library, opt into our newsletter, search by show, host, guest, or topic of interest, or browse millions of hours of content across all of our Voice America radio channels. Membership gets you more. Visit voiceamerica.com today to get started and tailor the listening experience to your taste. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. You're listening to The Art of Significance featuring your host, Dan Clark. If you want to join in on this week's discussion, give us a call at 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. Or drop Dan a line via email to danclark at xmission.com. Now back to the Art of Significance. Here again is Dan Clark. Welcome back. My guest is the one of the foremost experts in the world on, on secret societies. And yes, Dan Brown, he wrote the book Da Vinci Code and was the first one to really illuminate the commoner 
about the existence of secret societies, but way before that movie came out, way before that book come out, came out, my dear friend, our guest, Kurt Dowsett, has been studying secret society since he was 24 years of age and had the, the curiosity uh, triggered within him by his grandmother, who had been obsessed with family genealogy and was able to track down his family tree, his genealogy, his DNA thousands of years uh, back. How cool is that? What a what an amazing, amazing gift she gave you, brother. And let me just say uh, yeah. that as we went to commercial break, we kind of consolidated what you've been saying about secret societies, and we left the listeners hanging on the truth that there is, not just could be, there is a, a bloodline of Jesus Christ left in the world. Now, let me just preface by saying this. Those of you who have listened to my show, you know that on October 23rd, 2010, I was invited to go up to, to sort of the edge of space in a U-2 reconnaissance spy plane. 70,000 feet, you see two-thirds of the state of California. At 80,000 feet above the Earth's surface, you see mapped outlines of America. And at 90,000 feet, gazing into the endless blackness of space, you tear up and, and, and believe you can reach out and touch the face of God. What does this have to do with Kurt Dowsett in our conversation today, ladies and gentlemen? I have interviewed several U-2 pilots, credible, character-based, honest, trustworthy as the day as long, pilots of these amazing aircraft who soar to the edge of space, and they have true and unadulterated reports of UFOs. They have told me if they came out and explained what they had seen cruising in these 12 to 15 hour sorties on the curvature of the earth, that if they really came out and said, yeah, this is what I saw, no one would believe them. Well, I'm sure some of you are saying, wow, this is unbelievable. I don't get this, blah, blah, blah. No, ladies and gentlemen, Kurt Dowsett is a man of character, total honesty, integrity as he investigates the secret societies. And he is our guest. He is our guest. Kurt, start where we left off. Uh, let's just go to the bloodline of Jesus, Mary Magdalene. Take us deeper into the Knights Templar. Take us way beyond the Da Vinci Code and uh, and things that most people do not know about secret societies. Uh, yeah, well, geez. Um, let me start with, uh, let me kind of deconstruct and move backwards from the Da Vinci Code. That Dan Brown um, has said unequivocally that he based his book on another book called Holy Blood, Holy Grail. And he used some of the names in the Da Vinci Code as anagrams, um, other names that use the same letters from the authors of Holy Blood, Holy Grail. And one of them, Henry Lincoln, who is not doing so good health-wise now, is a, is a friend of mine. He wrote Holy Blood, Holy Grail that Dan Brown based the Da Vinci Code on. And that book, Holy Blood, Holy Grail, is a book that reports the theory that Christ was married, that his bloodline still exists, and it takes place and is centered around a small village in the south of France on the top of this hill that's only accessible by a three-mile winding road 
from the base of this other small town called in it's it's an Italian name or Latin name, but in in English it's uh, called Hope. You turn at this little tiny, I don't even know what you'd call it, um, like a liquor store, a little place to get like bread and milk and stuff. It's about the size of a good sized bedroom. There's no sign except painted on the side of that building. It says Renle Chateau. You go up these four miles, you come to this little hilltop village and maybe 50 inhabitants up there on the top. But that is the, the kingpin for this entire theory of the Knights Templar, uh, Mary Magdalene, and what was found up there over uh, about 130 years ago by the village priest doing some renovations. Now, I'm, I, I, don't, I don't want to do the same thing to the people listening that Dan Brown did to me, and that was let everybody in on this secret that I have been passionate about for years before the Da Vinci Code even came out. I, I knew about Renle Chateau, had, had gone there, had studied everything there is, not, not, not everything, but as much as I could ingest at the time. So when the Da Vinci Code came out, I was almost waving my arms going, no, 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 I don't want anyone else to know. That's kind of my secret place. That's where I go to. That's, that's my um, almost sacred place. And, uh, of course, it was a phenomenal book, one of the biggest successes worldwide. But what happened in this little hilltop village in 1892 is the, the basis for almost everything that we know about the Knights Templar of their secrets, what they were really doing. And I'll, I'll start with the village priest. His name is Berenger Saunier. He started doing renovations in the little tiny dilapidated chapel for 50 villagers, you know. And in the um, podium or altar up at the front, as they were renovating it, there was a hollowed-out cavity inside of that that had some parchments in it. And on those parchments talked about the entrance to some catacombs and what was buried beneath. And, gosh, I, there's so many things. I'm like, I literally have goosebumps right now. So let me just tell you what he did next. He read and deciphered the parchments over the next few weeks and then built a wall around the church and would only admit two people, his assistant, Mary, and then the main contractor. And what they said they were able to do was one of the, um, one of the graves out in the chapel or the church graveyard behind the church and right in front of the altar beneath these flagstones were the, were the entrances to these catacombs that would lead to the treasure of Jerusalem that was brought out of Jerusalem by the Knights Templar back in um, 1120 AD and the tomb of Mary Magdalene. <clears throat> and so what he did is he kept that a secret, but for some, some reason, somehow, he was able to spend in what today's currency would be roughly a billion dollars renovating the entire village and no one, the church to this day doesn't know where he got the money. They've written it off as doing something that 
was kind of illegal at the time, and that was selling prayers. People would send money, and then the priest would say a prayer for you. Well, people did that, but they would make hundreds of dollars, not millions of dollars. What he was doing was going down into these catacombs and taking some of the treasure, some of the, the, the chalices and things, and then selling them to collectors uh, around the world. But what he also was supposed to have found was, and guard, was the tomb of Mary Magdalene down there. And he's on record as saying, as he's sitting with Mary right before he died, was somebody had asked him how he was able to do this. And he said if they were sitting in this little courtyard just outside the, the, the chapel that he had built. Um, and he did some things that just even today would probably cost millions of dollars to, to do in, in construction and things. And I'll tell you a little bit about what he did on the inside of the chapel that is fascinating. But he's on record as saying, if I told you what was beneath us, what we're sitting on, we could pay France's national debt a hundred times over. And of course, little tiny things have popped up over the last 30 years, a chalice from a family member that had lived in the village that was bequeathed to them by their great-grandfather, um, coins that should not be found there, Jerusalem coins, um, an oil vial that was only made in Jerusalem, um, you know, 2,000 years ago. These things have kind of popped up and are very, very closely guarded. Now, I've been invited by a German knight who has a... Um, a little tiny villa there on the on the hilltop, and we went into his house. I just kind of knocked on his door and said, "Hey, I I just have some questions about this area." And he invited me in. He uh, had himself a nice tall glass of wine, and then uh, invited me down into what's called the cave, which is a cave, and it's down probably three stories, chiseled into a rock, and there was a sarcophagus down there with um, a body in it that had a medieval shield um, just over it. And for me, Dan, I'll tell you, I don't, there's so many things I need to say, but I don't, I'm not a tre- I'm not looking for treasure. I'm not seeking treasure. I'm not trying to find gold. What I want to do in regards to that type of stuff is be the first not the first, but the next person to see something that was placed there by the person who put it there last. I, for me, the most powerful thing was to see this shield of this knight laying on top of the skeleton that's been there probably for about 700 years. And that's almost as fulfilling for me as finding you know, a sack of gold and having somebody say, here, take it, this is yours. Um, so this village priest kind of kicked off this whole thing. And when he died, only his assistant, Mary, knew the secret. She didn't know the entrance. And she was not, I guess, physically capable of doing what he was doing. But uh, she kept it up until the late 50s, and then it was turned over to another priest. But he was eventually kicked out of the Catholic Church when they found out kind of a little bit more about what he was doing. He was, they tried to assassinate him. 
bunch of other things, but he wouldn't go anywhere. He, he actually said, if the church knew what I have, if they, if they thought I was going to do something with it, I'd either be dead or they're still protecting me to make sure I don't tell anyone. So he was also uh, bribing the church with information that he was going to keep and was not going to let out. Um, and that gets into the, the deepest layer of what he purports to have found and um, what the Knights Templar really were doing in Jerusalem and then the next 200 years after that. Um, they, were, they were, there were seven, actually nine original, original Knights who went to Jerusalem to meet with uh, the king there, King Baldwin, and they asked if they could install themselves in the King Solomon's horse stables beneath the Temple of Jerusalem. And they stayed almost buried in the stables of Jerusalem for nine years, um, excavating. And then after that, they came out, went straight to the Pope, and then had autonomy from the Catholic Church and the kings of Spain, Italy, France. They could do whatever they wanted, and they became one of the wealthiest groups in the in, in in Europe at the time. And no one knows how, except that they might have found something to blackmail the church with or some of the treasure that they found. And this is Knights so Templar this is Knights Templar you're talking about. <clears throat> this is Knights Templar you're talking about. The Knights Templar back in well they, they went there in eleven twenty and stayed there for almost the next two hundred years. Thirteen oh seven is when King Philip of France exterminated them on October 13th, 1307. That's where we get Friday the, the 13th from. That was the execution order for the Knights Templar kind of worldwide. Wow. And uh, what they... Now, fast forward to Baron Jasonier. He's got all this information that the Knights had that was their secret. And so, yes, he says Mary Magdalene is buried there. Yes, there's a bloodline. But what he did in his little chapel is probably the most controversial. And um, some people choose to believe it. Some people don't. I'm fascinated by history. I'm fascinated by discovering who we, why we are who we are, just historically, how we get to the place we are. But one of the biggest bits of information is when Baron Jasonier was excavating these tombs in these catacombs, he came across the Queen's tomb which is where Mary's body is. And next to that, which he was never able to get into, but could see, was what was in old French titled the King's Tomb. And a lot of the documents that he was able to recover and translate were alluding to the fact that Jesus did not die on the cross, but died three weeks later with his wife, Mary, on the way to the south of France. And what wow. he has depicted in, inside his Catholic church is Jesus rising from the tomb with his eyes open and his disciples basically taking him from the tomb at night. And if you know anything about Jewish law, it's, it's forbidden to, to touch a dead body after sundown. They're taking his body from the tomb and all the herbs, even in the Bible, the herbs that were brought to the tomb 
for Jesus were healing herbs, not embalming herbs and spices. So the theory is that Jesus did not die on the cross, but died with his wife on the way to the Santa Trance. And that is the big secret that Holy Blood, Holy Grail puts out there. That's what Dan Brown was possibly alluding to in his book, The Da Vinci Code. He just basically states surface with that. But uh, this is stuff that I've just discovered in my own personal search in my genealogy. But it's history that around this, the the Knights Templar excavating these tombs, the 12 entrances, and only one is open every decade. They're guarded by a secret society, which is still not the Knights Templar, but an offshoot of that that came up about 300 years ago from former Knights Templar that escaped. We, we, we do know that a lot of them escaped and even helped uh, Robert the Bruce, the movie Braveheart. The Battle of Bannockburn was won because these banished Knights Templar um, helped the Scottish people win their independence. So they, they still went on, but they they were able to escape and secret their treasure away in the south of France, where their secrets stayed buried for hundreds of years until this village priest uh, discovered it. Have I given you too much? Is this No, no, no. Did I'm I lose just... people? No, this is perfect. We're going to our, our last commercial break for a minute. It, my guest is Kurt Dowsett, one of the world's foremost experts, curious closet historian on the secret societies, especially Knights Templar. Wow. Don't go anywhere. This voiceamerica.com, the influencers channel. You're listening to Dan Clark's Art of Significance. And definitely my guest, Kurt Dowsett, is has changed and transformed his life from successful to significance. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back in a moment to finish the show off talking about secret societies, the bloodline of Jesus, and the other things that Kurt has discovered as a historian, as an honest, trustworthy man, only in search of the truth, in the truth, no conspiracy, no opinion. This is fascinating stuff. We'll be right back in a moment. This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. I just got out of a meeting where the unbelievable Dan Clark was the keynote speaker. He is clearly the most interesting man in the world. He's been into space. He reminded us to think bigger. He's a primary contributor to those chicken soup books. And he inspired all of us to make our lives matter. He taught us how to deal with change like he had to when he had to recover from a paralyzing football injury. Everybody needs to hear his message on leadership and safety and how he turns last place NFL teams into Super Bowl champions. Call this number, 1-800-676-1121 and visit danclark.com. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. 
all access, all the time. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You're listening to The Art of Significance, featuring your host, Dan Clark. If you want to join in on this week's discussion, give us a call at 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. Or drop Dan a line via email to Clark at xmission.com. Now back to The Art of Significance. Here again is Dan Clark. Yeah, with my guest, Kurt Dowsett, our discussion about secret societies has been fascinating i misspoke i did not have kurt on the show last episode i had him a couple of weeks ago that's when he was in the south of france exploring and investigating and internally excavating the truth about secret societies and the bloodline of jesus ironically last week i quoted a lot of my lyrics from christmas songs i had written that are kind of edgy they're kind of on the side You know, God was Jesus' father, but he was the carpenter's son. That's one of my favorite songs I've written about the Christmas season. Let's not forget how he learned and what he learned as as a carpenter. Let's get back right into it to the end of the show. Kurt Dowsett, we've been talking about Knights Templar. Uh, Two questions to take us to the end. The first one and the second one is related. The first question is, why Knights Templar? Why was there a need to create such a society, seven or nine original knights? What, what is their origin? How did they come about? What was their mission, their purpose? And then we'll get into the last question. Okay, well, the knights, the nine knights that started were all noble. One of them came across through the Merovingian bloodline, some documents that stated that there was a treasure beneath the Temple of Jerusalem. So he got his noble buddies together, and that's when they went to Jerusalem to meet with King Baldwin to ask for permission to install themselves. They had no other reason to be there other than them being knights. They could potentially, under the guise of protecting pilgrims on the route to and from the Holy Land because of all the Saracens, the Muslim marauders that were robbing these caravans of Christians, they went to Jerusalem under that guise, basically, of, well, we're going to go there, we're nice, we can recruit people, we can train people, and we can protect these pilgrims. Well, they spent the first nine years digging and then came out and went straight to, to Rome to meet the Pope. And the Pope just said, yep, you guys are your own group now, go back and, I guess, protect the pilgrims. So as they were bringing all this treasure out over the next 40 years, the Knights Templars grew, just exploded across Europe with other nobles donating their lands, their their castles, and joining the cause. So they quickly became one of the larger, more influential, and wealthy groups across Europe as people joined their cause. 
Um, and they did protect. They were some of the fiercest warriors. They, I mean, there's stories of 30 Knights Templar running into a horde of a thousand Saracens who would give up their arms or just like lay down and let the 30 Knights Templar just trample all over them. They were fierce warrior monks. They were blessed by God. They were ordained monks, but they were also some of the fiercest well-trained warriors and wealthiest people there. They actually created the first ATM banking system. You could deposit some funds in France. They would give you an encrypted document. You could take that document with you all the way to any one of their repositories all the way across Europe, all the way to Jerusalem, present the document, and then take funds out from there. And uh, a little side note, when Friday the 13th, 1307th came around, a lot of the Knights Templar fled. They fled south, and a lot of them fled east, a lot of them fled west. If you've seen um, uh, National Treasure, the first one, you know a lot of them left from La Rochelle with 17 ships filled with treasure from the south of France. And a lot of them, a large portion of them, went to Switzerland, which, if you know the Knights Templar symbol, it's a red cross on a white flag. And the Swiss flag is a white cross on a red flag, and they're also known for banking. There's a little little bit of a con- connection in history there. But they, they were basically started under the, the banner of let us protect the pilgrims, and they did. They did a great job. But there was an ulterior um, underground reason for them being there, going back and forth. So... So how many, so Knights Templar, you think there's thousands of them still across the globe? Um, there are groups that call themselves Knights. The, the descendants, the direct descendants of the Knights Templar are the Freemasons. But again, they're more of like a Shriners Club, an Elks Club. Um, there are different um, <laughs> levels within there that, parallel and are exactly what the Knights Templar were. A lot of the rituals that exist within the Freemasons were rituals, um, I mean, word for word, to become a Knights Templar. Um, So if if I was going to say, where are they now? I would say they are Freemasons, and then they are people that don't talk about it, that you'll never know. What about Jay-Z and Beyonce, who are supposed to be part of the Illuminati, and they've created such a secret uh, you know, aura or ambience around that word Illuminati? T- teach us about Illuminati, and could you and I join if we thought that that was uh, a critical, important part of our lives? Boy, and you know, um, I haven't really studied much about Jay-Z or Beyonce. I would say they're both... Um, excellent musicians with a lot of money and are private. And I think if you and I were better singers and had more money, people would probably say we're part of the Illuminati too. Of course, <laughs> I would be the Beyonce to your Jay-Z. No, vice versa. Right. Good, good, good analogy, dude. Okay, we're, we're running out of time. Let's cut back to the chase. So, where, what, what do you know? How has it changed your belief system in 2018 doing all this investigation? And how can we continue on with this discussion? And I'm definitely going to have you back on the show, but teach us about what you've learned from it, how it's, how it's 
embellished your life and made you the incredible human being and man that you are? Oh, boy, that's a big, that's a big question. Um, what it's done for me, I mean, personally, spiritually, it, it has only strengthened me. Um, I mean, I've, I've read and studied and sat in places that uh, have theories that are contrary to what I, I, I know and feel to be true. Uh, nothing's challenged my personal belief. Um, it has given me a little more depth and texture, I think, to the historical aspect of, of what I believe and what I adhere to. Um, there's a lot more to the Jesus story. Uh, we know through the Nag Hammadi, the Dead Sea Scrolls, a lot of those things allude to uh, a richer life, a more full life with uh, the life of Jesus and, and who he was. And a lot of it is in line with what a lot of these secret societies purport. Um, what it's done for me is help me understand who we are and who I am and where I come from. And it, it makes me appreciate almost every single person I come across because of where we all have come from and just the society that we live in today. I know why things are the way they are. I know how they've started, why they started and how they've morphed into the structure that, that, that we live in today. I mean, spiritually, uh, within our secular life, everything has an origin and knowing those origins, I think make you just a, a little more grounded human, a better friend, um, father, uh, husband, wife, er everything. Um, I think it's just enriched my life and, and given me a good, solid foundation that is, I don't want to say unshakable, but I'll say unshakable. Yeah, I agree. And for those of you who have never met Kurt, you, uh, you need to put that on your bucket list, seriously. Okay, we only have two minutes. Let's tie it into a religious message. So, <clears throat> you and I are both devout Christians, men of faith. So, did Jesus still die for our sins? Did he still atone for the sins of the world? Uh, if he did not die on the cross but died afterwards, was his mission still complete? Did he actually fulfill his mission as we Christians have been taught that he came to earth to do? If you're asking me that personally, I believe in the Garden of Gethsemane is where he paid for our sins. And I've asked myself this many times in the seclusion of a hilltop chapel in the south of France. If he did not die, is his message any different and I've had to answer that and say, no, the message is still the exact same. And if he was married and if he did have kids, how much more can I relate to him than somebody who I, I can, I'm not perfect. I, I could never be perfect. It's hard for me to relate on a base level to somebody that's perfect. But a man who was married and had kids, yeah, that, that I get. And that message is even more profound for me. So what I know Which to be is, true, what I believe to be true, what I hope to be, be, be true is stronger because of the research I've done. Not I love it. All by it. Which is not blasphemous, which is which is inspiring, as you said, brother. So as we wind down this show for just the last 30 seconds, 
I suppose I can I can testify with you that we do believe in Jesus. We do believe he was the son of God, but how interesting it is that we need to put more emphasis and focus on what he did in the garden of Gethsemane where he bled from every pore. Which means when he was arrested, he was a bloody mess. All these details yeah. are not included in the in the documentation we call the New Testament. But when you put all the other information that you've discovered that are that's illuminated by these secret societies and the reports of those who were close to Jesus, Josephus, a historian from that day, everyone that describes who he was, like you said, Kurt, it does not change his mission or the impact he's had on our world. And as you and I believe, he still is the savior of the world and atoned for our sins. But the order in which he did that is very, very intriguing. And we got to have you back, Kurt. This is Kurt Dowsett, ladies and gentlemen. I asked you last time, how do we join your tribe? Is there some way that people can actually follow you or or become part of your life? Um, Right now, the best way is Instagram. Um, I'm just putting out bits and pieces of, of my life right now through Instagram. Um, that's that's where I'm at right now. And in the next now, few days, we are going to focus on getting your memoirs written. we got to write a book, man. You're a walking encyclopedia. And when an old woman dies, an entire library burns to the ground. Well, that applies to you as a young man, brother. we got to get out of your head and heart on paper where people uh, can actually benefit from you. We're out of time. We'll have Kurt back again and again. This is Dan Clark, voiceamerica.com, the influencers channel. You can join my tribe at danclark.com. Click on receiving free gifts and training. Happy holidays. And until we meet again, God bless us. Remember our military troops and their families in your prayers. God bless America. Thanks for being part of the show. Be sure to join Dan Clark next Monday, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time for another edition of The Art of Significance on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Remember, you too can achieve the level beyond success.